Good morning, church. I want to say a hearty happy Sabbath to everyone. Um, and a response. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor, seniors, to uh, be asked to speak for you this morning. So we want to, uh, of course, congratulate our seniors on their, on their accomplishment. And uh, again, a big welcome to everybody that is here, family, friends, regular church members, uh, guests, as Pastor Chad said. Uh, it's a special day today. I want to start actually with something a little different that's it's really not, not connected to the sermon in any particular way, but uh, John 15. John 15 says, Greater love has no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. A few weeks ago, Pastor Chad preached a sermon uh, during our alumni about the value of Christian education and the value of Adventist education. And uh, I think all the parents here of the graduating seniors, really all of the parents, but we'll, we'll talk about those who have seniors here this morning. I think you exemplify that principle of selfless service. So if, if we could, this is a little different, but could I get all of the parents of the graduates to stand? Parents or primary uh, caregivers, all the parents, if you would please stand. Let's give them a well-deserved round of applause. Thank you, parents. Greater love has no man than this, than that you would sacrifice. The text says that you would lay yourself, your life down. But in many ways, that's what Christian education is. It's a sacrifice. And seniors, I want you to recognize that that is the sacrifice that your parents have made. Uh, in many cases, they've given nearly their all so that you could have a Christian education. And it, the onus is now on you going out from that education to live true to the sacrifices that they have made. Let's begin with prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we want to present ourselves before you this morning as we open your word, asking that everything that we see and hear this morning will be your truth. Lord, we, we recognize the seniors and the accomplishments that they have that they have made through these years. Um, but Lord, we want to present them to you uh, and uplift you as first and foremost in their life. Guide us as we look into your word this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So if you would all take out your Bibles, I am going to look at, you this, look at the Bible text this morning with you uh, that the seniors chose as their class text. And that is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and their text is actually 1 Timothy 4 verse 6. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. And uh, thank you to Sherry. We've got people all over back here too. Uh, thank you to Sherry for, for reading, uh, reading that this morning. But let's look at it one more time. We're going to back up to verse 6 and look at the context of this text. Very important a very challenging text, really. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you followed. 
Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Instead, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way because it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. And seniors, this is your text here. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set for the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that everyone can see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The, uh, the text that, you chosen from, that you've chosen from the book of Timothy is uh, actually a pretty challenging text. I, I kind of want to say thank you for, for choosing that one, um, because... I'm sure you were thinking of Timothy when you chose that, and me being your speaker, I appreciate that. Uh, this is, this is a, a book that I kind of take near and dear to my heart because it's, it's my namesake. My parents, I was born on a Sabbath, uh, kind of unexpected, before the, I guess, years of sonograms, and uh, they, they had picked a name for a girl, that's what they were hoping I would be. Uh, and so, one Sabbath afternoon, out came another son, and uh, they didn't have a name for me, so... The story goes, they just say, well, it's Sabbath, so let's open the Bible. And they just put their finger on a name, and I'm Timothy James. That's my name because of, because of Scripture. So thank you for choosing this book. But, uh, of course, this is a book about a different Timothy. And it actually is worth our time to look a little bit at who this, uh, who this Timothy is in, in Scripture. So, as the text says, he was a young man. And not, uh, not as young as you. Theologians think he was probably actually in his 20s, maybe even as old as, as 30. Um, but, but a younger man. He was a Christian young man, uh, apparently because of the influence of his mother, uh, parents, again, uh, because of the influence of his, his good Christian mother. And seniors, he was very much like you. He grew up in a, in a Roman world, in a Roman culture, uh, which did not place much value on Christ on spiritual things. So a lot of the struggles that he experienced, uh, you will experience. A lot of the things that he had to face as a young Christian, you will have to face. So that makes that book of Timothy, which is really a book full of advice to a young man, it makes it very appropriate, I think, for you. And uh, Paul evidently saw in Timothy a, a, uh, a great, great amount of uh, potential but somebody who needed some guidance, um, some mentoring, if you will, to, uh, to move forward. So really, I think this, it's appropriate that we see this as, uh, as advice to you. Now, the difference is, Timothy was a minister. I was reading through some of your bios that you, that you, that you did in, uh, for the bulletin here. 
Uh, and I think I saw maybe one of you that said specifically that you were interested in going into the ministry, right? So does this text even apply to you? Because it's an advice to a young minister. And I would suggest that it does. And parents, adults here, um, we're speaking to teenagers about this text, but I want you to reflect over the course of your life because this text really does apply to all of us. There's a, a great principle of the Protestant Reformation that Seventh-day Adventists hold to, that all Protestant Christians hold to. It's called the priesthood of all believers. Um, and that concept, uh, if you want to read with me in Second Peter 2, verse 4, uh, actually a few, tech, a few verses there. Second Peter 2 is one of the places in Scripture that describes this principle, that we are actually all considered ministers of Christ. 2 Peter 2, starting in verse 4, says, As you come to him, a living stone who was rejected by men, but in the sight of God was chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up like a spiritual house. You are to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Scripture says that we are all priests. We all are actually duty-bound to minister for Christ. It may not be in the same way that Pastor Chad or Pastor Marilyn, Pastor Steve minister, um, but each of us, First Corinthians says, has been given a gift, right? And we are, we are not just, it's not a suggestion in Scripture that we be priests. Seniors, this is one of the points I want you to see very clearly this morning. It's not a suggestion to Timothy that he minister. It's not a suggestion in Scripture that you minister. It's your duty. Obligation. It's your obligation, yes, that you minister for Christ. So that means that each of you, and students, of course, everybody, Rare, Sarah, every single one of you, Alex, every single one of you, is obligated to be a minister for Christ. The pen of Inspiration says it this way, there is need of men, and we'll add young women, who can be trusted to labor in the extensive fields that are now ready for the harvest. Young men of ordinary ability who give themselves completely to God, who are uncorrupted by vice, uncorrupted by impurity, they'll be successful and they'll be enabled to do a great work for God. Let the young heed this admonition and be sober-minded. So you are to be a minister to the world. There's a, uh, I don't know, I might call it a myth, this, I think, wrong idea that you are now stepping out into the real world. Uh, you're leaving behind all the things uh, of youth and stepping out. Uh, but I think that's, that's a misnomer. I was thinking of, of when I was a, when I was a graduating senior, uh, the, I, I, I graduated, I went home, and uh, I grew up in a family with, with um, a dad who did construction. Grew up kind of learning the trade with him. So I can distinctly remember the first week after graduation, I went home, my father said, all right, congratulations, let's go to work. And we drove to the job site, and we were supposed to uh, roof a house, put shingles on a house, sorry, he's, yes. Um, and we got out all the tools, got the shingles out, got the ladders, nail guns, everything we needed. And my dad got in his pickup, and he said, all right, I'll see you at the end of the day. 
And I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to go do another job. You can do this. You've been trained. You know how to do it. And he left. And that was, for me, the first dose of real-life responsibility. But it wasn't something new. It wasn't something I was untrained for. It was something that I had spent a lot of time with my father learning. And so uh, I won't tell you how straight or crooked the, the lines of shingles were. Um, but the point is, I did have the training, uh, and it, my, my step into the real world was really just a continuation of what I had been doing. So you've spent all these years in Christian education, uh, some of you your entire career, your entire schooling at uh, Spencerville Academy, but you're not stepping out to do something new. You've been trained to love Jesus, to reflect Jesus. That's the reason our school exists. So you're stepping out into the real world to continue what it is that you have been doing all along. Your calling has been set. You are to be a minister for Christ. You say, maybe I, uh, maybe I can't be a minister. Maybe I don't know how. Your text tells you something very simply. Uh, you're just to reflect Christ. And remember, even some of the greatest ministers that we have in Scripture. Think of Moses. When God called Moses and said, all right, you're now ministering, was Moses ready? Did he say, I, I have everything I need? No. Even Moses said, Lord, I'm, I'm slow of speech. How can I do this? So remember, while you are called to minister, we, we do all have deficiencies. None of us are perfectly capable, but Christ makes up for that deficiency that we might have. Everyone has been gifted to be a minister. Amen. Adults, as you're thinking about this, you know, I, I reflected on this as I was studying this passage a little bit in my life. I'm, I'm 40. In, in the 40 years that I've had, have I, have I been true to the gifts that Christ has given to me? Since I graduated from high school until now, how have I used the gifts Christ has given to me to minister for him? Am I being a faithful minister of Christ? That's a challenging question. The seniors, I want to, I want to suggest that maybe this text is, uh, is a little more specific to you than it is to the adults. This text has been here for a long time. But there's something I noticed, I actually read through the entire book of 1 Timothy here, just to kind of get the the idea of what, uh, of what Paul's talking about. And there was, a, there was a concept that came up over and over and over in this book. 1 Timothy 3.14. Now listen to these texts. See if, you can, see if you can pick out a theme here that Paul seems to be addressing with Timothy. 1 Timothy 3.14. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so that if I delay, you may know how you ought to behave. 1 Timothy 4.13, which is right after your text. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. A number of times throughout the book, Paul uses this, this analogy of Timothy needs to be a good minister until Paul can come back and be with him. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. It would be neat if that actually applied broader, if that, if that meant we, we should be good, faithful ministers until Christ comes back. I thought maybe that's reading too much into the text. But then I came to 1 Timothy 6.14, and I don't think it is reading in too much. 
It says this, I charge you, just talking to Timothy, but to us, I charge you to keep this command without spot, without blame, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have a, an admonition from Paul not just to be a minister, but to be a minister until he comes. And I say this is for you more than it is for anybody else, because we are nearer now than when we first believed, as the song says. Jesus is coming back very, very soon. Our, our church, Christianity, our world is depending upon you as ministers to witness for Christ into the world. Um, and it's an obligation that we have. Jesus is coming back soon. Are we going to be faithful to help people to meet him when he comes back? There's a sense of urgency in this. Keep this command until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's another piece in this text, which I think is probably the reason that you chose it. It's the part that says, let no one despise you for your youth, right? I'm guessing that's why you chose this text as special for you. And uh, I thought about that a little bit. I read it in a number of different translations. There's a few ways that I think you could understand that statement, let no one despise you for your youth. Uh, and, I, and I wonder if, especially in the society that you live in, if we might be misunderstanding what Paul meant there a little bit. I don't know, I didn't ask you, each of you, but um, I think there's a tendency maybe in a world which, which kind of allows us to constantly watch and see if our rights have been violated, to constantly look and see who's putting me down and what I should do about it. I wonder if we didn't see it that way a little bit. Uh, but that's not what this text is saying at all. Not at all. This is not an appeal to stand firm and exert your rights under criticism. Let no one despise you for your youth. Listen to how the, uh, the Phillips translation says this. I think this, this got really close to the message. The Phillips translation says, don't, look, don't let people look down on you because you are young. See that they look up to you because you are an example to them. Don't let people look down on you because you're young. See that they look up to you because you are an example. There's actually an action required of you in this text. Don't let anyone look down on you. That means you stand up. You don't let them. Paul uses a, uh, he actually uses the, the example of, of physical fitness or of an athlete to describe this. A few verses earlier, he said, you should train yourself for godliness. He says, bodily training, being an athlete is of some value, but godliness is a value in every way because it holds promise for the present life and it also holds promise for the life to come. So let's use an athlete to see if we can understand what, it, what Paul really meant when he said, don't let anyone despise you because you're young. So I'll throw a name out at you seniors, maybe to the students back here, see if anybody recognizes this. Um, this is, uh, I, was, I was watching a video on the internet a little while ago, one of, one of the... Uh, a video about an athlete, you know, amazing athletes. And uh, see if you recognize this name. Casey Catanzaro. Anybody recognize the name? No? Seniors? No? 
I thought you were watching those videos during class, but something else you were looking at. <laughs> thought maybe. Okay. Katie, uh, Casey Catanzaro, real small, um, I think in her mid-20s, um, fairly petite young lady, 4 foot 11, um, between 90 and 100 pounds. And she competed on a, uh, on a reality show, an athletic reality show called American Ninja Warrior. Have you heard of the show? They basically have these very difficult obstacles, walls to climb, uh, very difficult obstacles to, to get through. Um, and it takes, takes a lot of balance, takes a lot of strength, takes a lot of endurance. Um, and so here came this little, little young lady to compete uh, in this course. And uh, had never been, the course had never been even finished let alone in a good time, but finished. No, no woman had ever finished the course. All right, and so here comes this little lady. And I want you to listen. I, I went through the video. There's a, maybe a seven or eight minute video as she tackled this, this course. I want you to listen to the words that the announcers used to describe Casey as she goes through the course. And I just, I just pulled out some of their statements. That's a very tall order for someone her size. With her size, it's a challenge. That can be tough to build up momentum at her size. She gets to the next obstacle. They say, not a lot of wingspan, but such a determined competitor. And she's hanging from, the, from one of the obstacles by her hands. They said, I hope those arms hold out. This is where it becomes so difficult with such a small upper body. I'm sensing a the theme here. How she has the strength, I do not know. This is where her height is a big, a big disadvantage. I don't know if she can even reach it. She's only five feet tall. She doesn't have much real estate to work with. And she continues on. She's surpassing every expectation. I don't believe it. All the way through. And she completed the course, uh, which moved her on to the final round and actually completed the, the, round, uh, the course in the final round as well. First woman to complete it, first woman to complete uh, a course in the final round. Despite, despite being looked down upon because of her size, right? Paul uses that example of physical training. Rather train yourself for godliness. But then he says, don't let people look down on you because you are young. You have an obligation to, as the Phillips says, Step up and let people see your example. So seniors, please allow nothing to diminish your influence. Stand up and exert your influence. This is a challenge. And I, I did this uh, a little experiment with the seniors here in the last class that we had together last week. Um, I asked them to write, to write a couple paragraphs to me. I didn't realize that they were going to do the same thing in the bulletin. So I asked the seniors, just give me a couple paragraphs of where you see yourself in 10 years. What's your life look like in 10 years? So some of them kind of match what they have in the bulletin insert, um, but, but some of them are different. Um, adults, parents, can you think back to when you were 18? Um, and, and do you remember where you imagined yourself in 10 years? Do you remember where you imagined yourself at 28? I won't ask if you, if you achieved that or not. But. Uh, here, here is some, uh, a sampling of some of the responses from the seniors. 
as we wrap this up. I said, what are you going to do? What's your life going to look like? Uh, a couple statistics. 74% of the seniors, about three-quarters of them, said that they would be married. One of those actually said happily married. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good goal to add, to add with it. Um, 18 of you, 18% of you said not married. Some of you were unsure. Uh, the vast majority of you mentioned that uh, you would have children, either in the home or on the way. So congratulations, parents. Ten years, uh, and you'll be grandparents. How's that feel? A little scary, maybe. see a couple people looking at me. You better stop now. Uh, here, are some, here are some statements that they made. Uh, I see myself living in a cute house. Two dogs, one small, one big, living in California, but going to the Marshall Islands on holidays. I will have long, voluminous hair. That was one of their statements. I'm trying to find these people. as I'm not going to read their names because I didn't ask them permission to use these. I'm not seeing them. Um, I will live in North Carolina, but I'll probably be nomadic. That's one of them. Uh, one student said, the only kids that I want are dogs or cats or ferrets. Uh, one young man, we'll make sure this is, we know this is a young man, uh, he said, I will be fit, my family will be fit, and I will hopefully have grown some facial hair. <laughs> so I think I saw that one in the bulletin too, so you might be able to pick that one out. Another uh, said, I'd like to live in Florida or California, but I might want to live here to be close to family while my kids are young. Uh, another person, a high, they, they saw themselves having a high-paying position in social services. Uh, a couple more quickly. Uh, one said, hopefully I don't have any kids yet. I will be enjoying my life. <laughs> How much we've learned. It's good. Uh, I would like my legacy to be known to some people. And lastly, and, and seniors, I want to challenge you with this. I didn't, I didn't specifically ask you to, to tell me about your spiritual relationship or where that would be. Uh, but there were only a couple of you who, who mentioned that. Uh, one of you said, uh, my relationship with God will be great. I might even be a Seventh-day Adventist member by then. It's from one of our non-Adventist students. Um, but students, I, I know that, you know, I didn't specifically ask you to, to mention your spiritual goals. Not many of you did. It's okay, I know that most of you uh, have that intention as well. But I want to challenge you, and, and adults as well, this, I think this illustrates the trap we easily fall into, and in that we recognize that we're ministers, we recognize that we have an obligation to Christ, um, but often, how often do we, do we only find a way to fit that into the spots that are left? Once we've put together what we want for our lives, do I then have some space for God? And I challenge you seniors to flip that. Uh, Paul challenges you to flip that. Just this past week, seniors, uh, your class had the chance to reflect in a very serious way on what it means to live a life dedicated to Christ. Um, I think the, 
I think all the seniors or the vast, the vast majority of the seniors, um, just this past week, you were sitting in a crowded, crowded church, and you listened to a very wise man, Mr. Patterson, uh, reflect and explain that there's no possessions. There's nothing that you can gain in this world that you can take with you when all is said and done. And I hope you took that lesson to heart. I hope you think very seriously about Paul's admonition to you to stand up, to recognize that you are a minister of Christ, and let no one despise you for your youth, but to set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity until he comes. Thank you.